On this prequel episode, we're recapping the Crazy Rich Asians poll, learning about single location storytelling, and previewing Rear Window. Oh, welcome back to this film's podcast. We're talking about movies that are based on books. Let's get into it. I have a softball game. <laughs> I have to eat. Katie, let's talk about the poll about Crazy Rich Asians. What did you prefer the book slightly? Mm-hmm. What did our fans come um, down so on? Well, we didn't get as much feedback this time. Yeah, which um, makes sense. I don't yeah. know how many people have read this I, book. Yeah, I think probably fewer people have read the book. Yeah. Um, so there were only a handful of votes like literally less than ten votes. Also, our <laughs> also our audience. This isn't in necessarily in their wheelhouse of movies. Probably, yeah, probably we have a not. lot of like you know fantasy sci-fi yeah. kind of like young adult type yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this so, is a, a little different. Yeah, um, but the Facebook poll went to the book entirely, mm-hmm. and the Twitter poll went to the movie entirely. Well, there uh, you the, go. The Twitter poll did get more votes, so I guess we could give the listener feedback to the movie. Yeah. Um, we had a comment from, uh, one of our followers on Twitter, um, at Trivial Theater, oh, yeah. um, uh, who said the book was fascinating and made Singapore sound so cool, but the movie made me want to travel there, jump on a plane as soon as I left the theater. Cool. Which is fair. I mean, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that kind of visual element yeah. of a film. It's a little more visceral. Yeah. Um, especially when you're talking about a really cool, like, location like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, our uh, viewers slightly chose the movie, but kind of. Yeah, it was, kind it was, of. It was uh, not enough, uh, not quite of enough of a turnout for a good scientific study. Not quite big <laughs> yeah, enough a of a sample size. Sample. <laughs> but we'll give it to the book in that regard, or the movie in that regard. Let's move on to learning things with this film is lit and talk about single location storytelling. No matter what anybody tells you. Words and ideas can change the world. All right, so a uh, single location storytelling denotes a story that takes place exclusively in one location. So it's a pretty self-explanatory yes. name. Yes, it is. Um, I found a couple of examples that I thought people might recognize. Um, 12 Angry Men. Uh-huh. My Dinner with Andre. Yep. Buried. Yeah. Are you so? These are all movies. Yes. Okay. They're all movies. Okay. Because I was, I thought you were going to say some books, and yeah, because I was, I the first one that popped in my head was Buried, which is an mm-hmm. interesting film. Ryan Reynolds. Um. Yeah. Twelve Angry Men. Yeah. I kind of focused on the the movie aspect of yeah. it. Um. Because I think visually there's yeah a, a lot to do with there. Yeah. Um. Uh, phone booth. I don't think that's actually true, but. It's mostly. It's mostly in, I think I he mean, moves around is, a bit at the end. Some I thought. of these are a little bit like twelve. I can't remember. Like it's been a long Angry time. Twelve Men is technically bookended by like outside shots, right? But like the meat of the story takes place. Yeah. So some of these are like yeah. At phone booth might be. Bit. I literally can't remember, but I could have swore that some of the end of it took place in other places. But I could mm-hmm. be wrong about that. It's been a long time since I saw it when it came out in theaters. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, and then uh, I think this one fudges it a little bit too. Panic Room. Yeah, I mean, it takes place it in the same house, the which same I guess, house. Uh, yeah, I think mostly, again, it's been a long time yeah, since I've seen that one. it's been a long one, time so. since I've seen that one, too. Um, and then uh, two other Hitchcock films, Rope and Lifeboat. I haven't seen either of them. I thought Rope took place a little bit more of an area, like a pretty small area, but because it's all... Well, I mean, single location storytelling can right. be... I guess that's fair. It yeah. doesn't have to be like one room. Right. Like, like Buried is an extreme example. It's literally yeah. inside a coffin the entire film, and you go nowhere else uh, for the entire film. But, uh, yeah, I guess there you could you could expand it to a building. Right. Like, I mean, Clue 
takes place yeah, entirely in one entirely location. Entirely in one building. Um, and I, you know, I would say that this is kind of defined by like minimalism yeah. in set pieces um, and kind of overcoming the storytelling challenges of that um, because there's really no room for mistakes and like characterization yeah. and dialogue when you don't have different locations or location changes as a story element. This is true. Um, but I think a good storyteller can use that single location to augment their story. So, you know, we have something like Buried um, that uses this to emphasize like the claustrophobic yeah. aspects of the story. Yeah. Like that idea that there is no escape. Yeah. You you don't get you. You, you are trapped in there yeah. with him the whole yeah. time. So he's trapped. You're trapped. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we have something like 12 Angry Men, where the single location forces the viewer to also experience the frustration of the jurors who just want to go home. Yep. Um, and I, I think um, single location can also allow for a strong script that's maybe rich in dialogue and subtext to stand on its own mm -hmm. um, without having like location can maybe kind of be a distraction sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it could. Um, uh, but I think like for me, the main takeaway is that single location stories can really force the viewer into a character's perspective in a way that is really effective. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to think about what rare window does with this, um, and what kind of perspective or like ideas they're trying to force us the viewer into yeah. by staying in that single location. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't read the short story yet, so I'm interested to see if that's the same as the movie. Yeah. I'm, I think it is. I think so too, from yeah. what I've read. But, um, but I'm, in, I'm interested to see if they do anything different with it or if it's pretty much the same like idea as far as location yeah. goes. Cool. That is a unique thing to kind of think about. It's, I didn't know what we were going to be talking about, but that is a, Something I think pretty unique to this film. I haven't seen Rear Window, so I don't mm -hmm. know. But um, I saw it years ago. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's a unique uh, genre, subgenre. I don't know. It, yeah, it's it's, it's a like unique a, story even, element. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not even really a genre or subgenre. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a separate type of genre. Yeah, because like there are thrillers, there are comedies that could all be set. There mm -hmm. are dramas like Twelve Angry Men. And but I then think, they can like, all be a subset you of that do there. see this a lot in like a thriller or a mystery type of a, a yeah. genre. Um, but yeah, it, it can definitely, yeah. you can use it in a lot of different mm -hmm. um, storytelling genres. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, that was uh, singer, single location storytelling. Let's move on and preview Rear Window. This is the scene of the crime. A crime of passion filmed in a way you have never seen before. And as no one else would dare attempt, but the screen's master of suspense, the producer-director who shocked the world with Psycho. I don't have a ton of stuff. Cause... Sorry, not Rear Window. This is, uh, well, it's now called Rear Window. It's, yeah, it's now called What Rear was Rear it Window. called at the time? It was time? originally called It Had to Be Murder. There you go. It had to be murder. Yeah. So, um, hey, that's fine. Yeah, I don't have a ton of stuff because there was not a ton to find. It makes sense. It's a short story. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think a super well-known short story. Yeah, not could... super well-known. Um, but it is a short story by American writer Cornell Woolrich. Um, it was originally published in 1942 under the title It Had to Be Murder, like I said, um, in Dime Detective Magazine. Now, I'm a, I was a little disappointed. I couldn't find out exactly when the title shift came about yeah i looked and looked 
Um, so if anybody knows, I would love to know that. Like, if they started calling it Rear Window, like, along with the movie, or if that title shift came earlier. Before the movie. Yeah. I would imagine it came after the movie. I would, I would imagine so. that, that they changed, changed it, it for the, the movie, movie, and then and they then started publishing the, it under the that The short name. story was like, let's bank yeah. on that. Or, yeah, yeah, let's bank on that recognizability. Um, it is also maybe a better title, I think. Yeah. Without knowing the plot of the short story, it, it seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, Woolrich, as an author, his output was actually so prolific, like he just wrote and wrote and wrote, that he often published under a few different pen names. Um, and this short story was originally published under his name, William Irish, huh. um, instead of his actual name. Um, the story was also purportedly directly inspired by H.G. Wells' short story, Through a Window, which I've never read. I haven't either. I um, wonder if it's a very similar... Yeah, I would similar... be interested to see hmm. how similar it is, or like what the inspiration was. Yeah. Um, another kind of interesting thing is that this is kind of something of a reversal of Edgar Allan Poe's Murder in the Rue Morgue, um, where the detective has to solve a murder that happens in a locked room. Oh, okay. um, but in Rear Window, the detective is kind of like, quote unquote, locked in a room. Yeah. Um, so you're being forced to solve a murder mystery under very restricted circumstances yeah. where you can't like get in close and right. examine the evidence yeah. or interview people or anything. Yeah. Huh. All right. Cool. Uh, well, those are your book facts or short story facts. Let's talk about the movie Rear Window. This is the apartment of a man named Jeffries, a news photographer whose beat used to be the world. Right now, his world has shrunk down to the size of this window. He's been watching the people across the way. Nobody seems to pull their blinds during a hot spell like this. He knows a lot about them by now. Too much, perhaps. Rear Window is a 1954 film directed famously by Alfred Hitchcock written by John Michael Michael Hayes uh, he also worked with he worked, wrote a fair number of movies but uh, specifically worked with Hitchcock on three other films to catch a thief the trouble with Harry and the man who knew too much which I have mm. not seen any of those I've seen probably four or five or six Hitchcock films but none of those mm. I've seen vertigo I've seen North by Northwest I've seen the birds I've seen a few other oh, ones yeah he's now a repeat director yeah. for us yeah the birds, the birds the second one yeah or the first one uh, uh, this is considered by many critics and scholars and audience members to be one of, if not the best Hitchcock film. Mm -hmm. It's up there with, oh, Psycho. Um, yeah. Uh, it's up there with Psycho, with uh, North by Northwest, with Vertigo, mm -hmm. or probably, I think, widely regarded as maybe his like best films. Really tight storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Which you have to have with the single location. True. Uh, it received four Academy Award nominations as was, and and was ranked number 42 on AFI's 100 Years 100 Movies list, which is a thing they did where mm -hmm. basically just the top 100 movies of the last 100 years. It was number 42. In 1997, it was added to the United States National Film Registry in the Library of Congress, which we've had done several movies that have oh, you didn't, been added. Uh, uh, the was Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Was, yeah. I think there might have been one or two others, but th that one for sure was. There's also a separate one, which is the World Heritage Yes. It's like the global one, which I know Wizard I of Oz is on, and that, but I don't a couple other films, but I don't remember which yeah. have been on which. But there, because there, those are two different things. But a lot, a lot of times, movies that are on the United States one end up also on yeah. the UNESCO, I think it is, um, list. So the film was shot entirely at Paramount Studios because it is a single location 
uh, story. Uh, it took production crews six weeks to build the set, which is a really complex set, uh, the, the courtyard that you mm-hmm. see in the movie. It ended up being the largest set of its kind at Paramount at the time. It also had a massive drainage system that they had to build to accommodate the rain sequence. Apparently, there's a sequence that takes place while it's raining. Mm. And they had, you know, water, I assume, uh, like rain machines. And mm-hmm. they had to have this really complex uh, drainage system so that they didn't flood the set and ruin everything. Uh, it also had a complex lighting system so that they could create natural looking day and night landscapes. And I read that they did such a good job and spent so much time designing the lighting system that they could change it from day to night within like 45 minutes, which hmm. is a pretty impressive turnaround to change all the lights to get to have it look go from looking like daytime to have it go look like nighttime, which is a lot of different types of lights and light mm-hmm. temperatures and all this sort of thing. Uh, it also I read uh, at least one of the buildings had working uh, um, plumbing. And electricity. Oh, cool. Like the, all the apartments in one of the buildings had working plumbing and electricity. It did, it was one of the facts I found. Not but... all of them had that. Not uh-huh. all the apartments, but at least one of the buildings' apartments had working uh, plumbing and electricity. Uh, it's the, So the set is based on two real-life locations. On Wikipedia, they said one. And then I did some more researching and found a YouTube video of a guy who went and visited. And it's pretty clearly based on two locations. It looks like one of them is a real life is a courtyard in Greenwich Village. They're both in Greenwich Village in mm-hmm. just two different places. One of them is a courtyard uh, on 10th Street between Bleecker and Hudson Street in New York. Um, and that's what the courtyard kind of setup is based upon. And specifically, one of the characters buildings, it may be the main character. I don't know his name. Uh, Jimmy uh, Stewart's character. Uh-huh like thorson or those something like that yeah Yeah. uh his building is based on a building on 125 christopher street Hmm. which is the in the movie the address of the building given is 125 like north street or something Mm -hmm. like that so but it's that that specific building is based on that address and the courtyard is based on a slightly different so they like smashed those two yeah that's what it sounds like and what it looked like based on this youtube video i was watching uh, Hitchcock used costume designer Edith Head on all of his Paramount films, which this is one of them. Edith Head was a uh, legendary costume designer who she won a record eight Academy Awards for costume design. And she was also the ins- And this is very obvious if you see pictures of her. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, she is the inspiration for Edna Mode in The Incredibles. And like I said, if you look up a picture of Edith Head, it is very clear that that yeah. is the where the inspiration for Edna Mode came from. Uh, although she's American, and Edna Mode is like, has some sort of vaguely European have, yeah, vaguely sort European of accent. accent. But Grace Kelly's costumes in this are to die for. That is something I there remember you go. from this. Uh, although veteran Hollywood composer Franz Waxman is credited with the score for the film, his contributions were limited to the opening and the closing titles. Uh, and there's one a piano tune that a neighbor plays mm-hmm. at one point. Uh and this was also Waxman's final score for Hitchcock. The reason that it's only those two things and then that other song is because the, only the opening and ending credits are non-diegetic. Everything else is diegetic sound in the movie. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that before yeah. in an older episode. But what that is, is sounds arising from normal life of the characters within the film. Mm-hmm. So you hear songs and music from his neighbors playing music or for him. Uh, you hear sounds and all that, but there's no... Uh, not there's no yeah. film score. The sounds come from within the world. Within the, the world, movie. yeah. Uh, during shooting, Sir Alfred Hitchcock worked only in Jeff's apartment, right? Which I assume is Jimmy Stewart's apartment, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked only in Jeff's apartment. The actors and actresses in the other apartments around the the square 
uh, wore flesh-colored earpieces so that he could radio direction to them. Huh. So that he didn't have to go back and forth between yeah, these buildings. Yeah. He would stay here, watch them probably through the can you know, see what they're doing, go, no, do more of this. And he would talk to him over a headset, a wireless headset. I mean, that's interesting, too, because that's the only way we, the audience, see them. Yeah, like and I'm sure that, that was part of it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he wanted to, because we're, we're seeing them from there, so it wouldn't make sense yeah. for him to be over there from directing them without knowing what they look like from our perspective, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, this is the only movie in which Grace Kelly is seen with a cigarette. She refused to smoke in movies except for this one hmm. for some reason. Uh, this film has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, wow. It's on a list of, there's more than you think that yeah. have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's, it's not a huge list, but there are more than you think. It's a lot of older movies too, mm -hmm. because a lot of times they don't get reviewed until more modern times. They don't have quite as many reviews as like the big blockbuster that mm -hmm. came out that got reviewed by 400 people. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, the, but anyways, it has 100%. It's one of the, you know, a couple hundred that have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And finally, Roger Ebert on the re-release of the film, when he reviewed it, said that the film, quote, develops such a clean, uncluttered line from beginning to end that we're drawn through it and into it effortlessly. The experience is not so much like watching a movie as like, well, like spying on your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm really looking forward to watching this movie. Uh, it's one of those ones that I just, for whatever reason, have never seen. Mm -hmm. I, I think I see, I think I, we did watch part of it in one of my film classes. We watched it in a film class that I took. I think we watched like a, a scene or two mm -hmm. from it, but I have not seen the whole thing. I don't know. I don't know the story. I mean, I know vaguely that he thinks he witnesses a murder and like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I know that, but I don't know, um, what happens or anything. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching it and seeing kind of how it plays out, uh, and, and how it compares to the short story. So. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the short story, I did find a PDF of it. So I am going to post that on our Facebook and Twitter pages. So if you want to read it before we talk about it, before we, maybe before you watch the movie too, yeah. um, that'll be available to you on our Facebook and on our Twitter cool. pages. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. And that will be in one week's time where you can come back and hear our discussion of Rear Window. Until that time, you can do us a favor, rate and review us on all of the podcast downloading services, wherever you may listen to us. That would be a great help and service to us. You can also follow us on all of the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Goodreads. And we also have a subreddit. And I believe that's it. So until next time, guys, gals, I'm Binary and everybody else. Keep reading. Keep watching movies. <laughs> keep reading books. And keep being awesome. <laughs>